I'll ask you now to turn in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 1. Hebrews chapter 1. And I'm going to be reading the first three verses of Hebrews 1. Hebrews chapter 1. Would you join me in standing as we read this wonderful passage of God's Word? Hebrews 1, beginning at verse 1. God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers in the prophets in many portions and in many ways, in these last days has spoken to us in his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world. He is the radiance of his glory and the exact representation of his nature. He upholds all things by the word of his power. When he made purification of sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. May God bless his word to our hearing. Please be seated. And now, Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditation in our hearts be acceptable to you through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. The book of Hebrews was written to people who were getting discouraged. They were getting ready to give up. They had given up their their Judeo behavior and practices and they were told of Christ and they responded to Christ, the invitation. And if you read verse 12 of chapter 12, you will find that the writer is saying to them, take care of the hands that are hanging loose and the knees that are getting weak. And if you read the book of Hebrews, you will find this one comparative word written again and again, better than, better than, better than. And the whole passion of the writer to the book was to show that Jesus Christ was better than what they used to have in spite of what they were going through. When you read chapter 11, you will find out that he reminds them of some who have paid the price for following Christ those who enjoyed the, the, the secret. You know, every time I read a, a, a song like At the Cross, at the Cross, where I first saw the light and the burden of my heart rolled away, it was there by faith that I received my sight. And listen to this line, and now I am happy all the days. Which of you can testify to that? You weren't happy all the days. I know what the writer meant. But sometimes it conveys the wrong idea. That we're saying that the Christian life, once you become a part of it, is something so wonderful that, that, that and, and perhaps what we need to say, it's a relationship so wonderful that there's no comparison to it, but not that life gets better. Lois called me last night, and she said, listen to this. And, and, and there was a, a, a person giving a lecture to a church, a vast number of people. And this person said, 
when you come to worship, it's not about God, it's about you. And I thought, what? So the person who sent that, who said that, who sent it to Lois, put a, a piece of Bill Cosby's line, follow that. And if you remember Bill Cosby when his son said certain things, so this, this person said about when you come to worship, and I mean I heard it with my own, and saw it with my own eyes. And she's, when the person was finished saying what she did, then came the clip from Cosby, and it said, that's the dumbest thing I have ever heard. <laughs> well, my friends, the Christian life is not about a life that gives us the opportunity to sail on silvery moon all the ways until death do us part. The people in the book of Hebrews are going through tremendous struggles. And Christ was nowhere to be seen. He was already back in heaven. And you will recall that when Jesus spoke to the disciples that he was going back to heaven, they began to be very, very concerned. What are we going to do when you are gone? And that's where I want us to see this morning. Because in Acts chapter 1, verses 9 to 11, we are told about that tremendous scene called the Ascension. The disciples followed Jesus out to the Mount of Olives. And they watched as he was taken from them into a cloud and he returned to heaven. And now Jesus is gone. You and I live after that fact. You and I are on the other side of the ascension. We are going through difficult times in our lives. Challenges from without and from within. And the question that I want to ask and answer this morning for the next few minutes is, after the ascension, after Jesus goes back, what? What? What do we do in the words of the hymn writer that says, days are filled with troubles and trials? What do we do? To whom do we appeal? Who speaks for God after Jesus is gone? And Hebrews chapter 1 answers that question for us. He tells us, first of all, that after the ascension, Jesus continues to speak. After the ascension, Jesus continues to speak. He spoke on earth. In 1 John chapter 1, John wrote this, that which we have heard, they heard Jesus speaking. They heard his words. They heard his communication with saints and sinners alike. They heard him speak to them in rebuke. They heard him giving direction to them, giving them hope. In my father's house are many mansions. He spoke all this when he was on earth. Such was the conversation of the communication of Jesus that when he spoke and people went out to find what he was all about, they said, never a man spoke like this man. His words were not words of a politician. In fact, his words were not words of even a pastor. 
A pastor gets his word from Jesus. He doesn't put words into the mouth of Jesus. So he spoke. His communication was such. We read in John chapter 12. Listen to what Jesus said in John 12. What I speak to you, I speak not of my own authority, but the Father has sent me as himself, giving me words to speak, what to say and what to speak. And I now I, I know that his commandments is eternal. So when Jesus spoke, he spoke in tones, my, fir- my friends, it says this. The words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. That was what was said when he was on earth. But he's back in heaven now. Who speaks for God? Well, I want you to turn, if you please, in your Bibles to the book of Revelation, chapter 1, verses 9 to 11, verses 17 and 18, to show you, my friends, that the Jesus who spoke on earth is the Jesus who continues to speak from heaven. He speaks from heaven. Revelation chapter 1. Revelation chapter 1. John writes, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet saying words coming from heaven. Write what you see in a book and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus, to Smyrna, to Pergamum, to Tyratyra, to Sardis, to Philadelphia, to Laodicea. Then I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me, and on turning I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the midst of the lampstands, one like the Son of Man, clothed with a long robe and with a golden sash around his, his chest, the hair of his head were white. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. But he laid his right hand on me, saying, Fear not, I am the first and the last, the living one. I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore. John said in the Lord's day, In the spirit he heard a voice, and the voice spoke to him and said, These are the things I want to say to the seven churches. And the seven churches are identified. So that the same Jesus that John knew on earth when he heard words like that we read from John 12, he's the same Jesus who continues to speak from heaven to the church on earth. We are not without the voice of God for the times in which we're living. Jesus has something to say because he is the head of the church. He is the culmination of all that God's word will say to us. And oh, my friends, I am troubled, deeply, deeply troubled today. I think I told you of the one, I don't know what to call him, who said that he has gotten a word from Jesus that he is to have a mission to commit abortions, a doctor, 
who said, this is my mission in, 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 on, on earth that Jesus told me? My friends, when Jesus speaks, he doesn't contradict himself. When Jesus speaks, he doesn't speak that which is contrary even to nature. And to claim that nature says something that God does not say, we can be absolutely certain that God did not say it. But here we are. What happens when Jesus goes back to heaven? He continues to speak from heaven. And we get our marching orders as a church from him, not from the culture in which we live. But that's not all that Hebrews chapter 1 tells us. It says that in times past and in these last days, God speaks through his son. But it tells us something else. After the ascension, Jesus does not only speak. We catch a glimpse in heaven, and after the ascension, Jesus prays. He prayed when he was on earth. So effective was the prayers of our Lord Jesus that the disciples looked at him in a time of praying and said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. We want to be able to communicate with heaven the way you do. And remember what Jesus said to them? When you pray, not if you pray. When you pray. After the ascension, Jesus continues to pray for us. Whatever the burden. Whatever the darkness we find ourselves in, Jesus is praying. He prayed when he was on earth. And when I read how he prayed when he was on earth, moves me. In Hebrews chapter 5 verse 7, it says this. In the day of his flesh, when he was in human flesh, he offered up prayers with supplications and loud crying. Can you imagine that? Jesus, the Son of God, is weeping, loud crying. I, I think of myself when I think of that. I, I don't like to cry. Uh, sometimes when, I, when, I, when I'm on the verge of crying... I almost want to stop myself because big boys don't cry. That's what my mother told me. So I never really learned. But when I look at Jesus, what may have been the occasion that caused the Son of God to weep with loud crying to God? Because, my friends, on earth he demonstrated to you and to me that while we are here, we are totally dependent upon God. That's what he was showing, dependence. That's what prayer is. It is saying that, oh God, I cannot face what I'm about to face alone. And I need you. I need strength from you. I need courage from you. I need insight from you. I need the ability to stand. And so what moves me is that after this prayer, we find our Lord Jesus going out to Gethsemane. And Mark tells us they went out singing a hymn. 
how can we sing in a world like this? When we follow the steps of Jesus and understand that he prayed when he was on earth. But my friends, here's the key. Not only when he was on earth, he prays in heaven. Hebrews chapter 7 verse 25 says that we have someone who is always in the presence of God. He ever lives. He's a priest in heaven. And he prayed for the disciples when he was on earth. Listen. He prayed for the disciples when he was on earth. Matthew 22, Luke 22, 30, 31 and 32. But listen to this. He prayed for them then. Hebrews 7.25, he prays for us now. Now. Imagine that the disciples were encouraged when, when Peter heard Jesus said, I have prayed for you. How do you feel this morning, friends, when you know that he is praying for you now? And, and you say, why haven't things changed because he's praying? Because prayer does not change things. It changes people who can change things. When Jesus went into the garden and prayed to his father... He said, if it's possible, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will. You see, prayer is bringing myself under God's authority so that I can accept the direction that God gives to me. I don't pray in order to change the mind of God. I pray in order to bring my will in submission to his. And in heaven, he is praying. He's praying, and from heaven he giveth more grace when the burdens grow greater. He sendeth more strength when the labors increase. To added affliction, his, 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 he gives his, his grace. And out of his abundant love, he gives and gives and gives again. He is praying for us, my friends, so that we will stand in the face of trials, stands in the face of challenges, stand in the face of anything that comes up against him. Because remember what he said, whoever assaults you. Remember when, P when Paul was on his way to Damascus and he heard a voice from heaven? And what did the voice say? Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Jesus was in heaven when he said that. But you see what he was saying? That when you touch the church, you touch me. When you touch the church, you touch me. So that there's never a burden, my friends, that you and I do not feel. He is able because he knows our humanness. He knows our, our frailty. And so he prays with that in mind for you and for me. He prayed on earth for the then disciples. He prays in heaven for you and you, whatever the burdens are this morning. Lastly, after the ascension... We're going to see something we never saw on earth. After the ascension, Jesus reigns. After he had purified our sins from us, he sat down. What does it mean? The only time we see re royalty sitting is when the deed has been done. 
standing up says something else still remains to be done. And interestingly enough, there's only one place in the New Testament where we see Jesus standing. Every other place he's seated. And you know where that place is? In Acts chapter 7, when Stephen was being persecuted, persecuted at the place where Saul at the time stood and celebrated the death of Stephen. And all the time when Stephen was suffering, Jesus was standing because that's how a priest stands. A priest never sits and pray. A priest stands and pray. And when Stephen was on the ground receiving the blows and the curses of, of, of Saul and others, Jesus stood and he prayed for Stephen from heaven. And you know what were the last words of Stephen? Father, do not lay this sin to their charge. Victory. Victory. That's why he's praying from heaven, my friends. He might not stop the difficulty from you, but he'll give you strength to overcome it. He might not stop the tears, but he'll give you the ability to dry them. He prays in heaven. And what is he praying for? He's praying, my friends, that you and I, that you and I might make it all the way home. That in spite of all the difficulties, he ever lives to make intercessions for us so that we might finish the journey that we have started with him. He sat down. But Jesus is not bankrupt for what to do when you are suffering when I'm suffering. He's not at a loss. He's not taken by surprise. And every time you and I need him at a certain time, he stands up. Because a priest ever lives to pray for us. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Because when Jesus prays, God the Father acts. Jesus never prayed a wasted prayer. Neither on earth, nor does he in heaven. And so the knowledge of Jesus as having entered heaven for us, says Andrew Murray, the knowledge of Jesus having entered heaven for us and taken us into union with himself into the heavenly life, the heavenly life is what will deliver the Christian from all that is low and feeble and lift him to a life of strength. To gaze upon the heavenly Christ in the Father's presence to whom all things are subject will transform into heavenly Christian dwelling all the days in God's presence and overcoming of the enemy. He's a priest. He lives after the ascension to pray for us. He's a king. He lives after the ascension to reign for us. He's a prophet. He lives after the ascension to speak to us. Let us pray. Now, Father...
Your word is about to bring us to the table. And may you be pleased to give us significance out of this act. Not just something we do, but in obedience to what you have said. May we truly take delight in obeying you this morning. In Christ's name.